0: I'm not excited about how much reading I've done in, on this subject, but it's, for some reason, it's been really fascinating. And so to intro this, this topic, I'll start it with a question. HD. when you go to the bathroom... <laughs> it's not a good way to start a question. <laughs> are you sitting or standing? Uh, I,
1: perhaps it depends.
0: <laughs> well, when, when you, you know, do number one, do oh, you do sit, sit or do you stand?
1: This almost feels like a trick question because I don't know why anyone would choose to sit because... Obviously, when you sit, you're not able to fully release the tank dude i I'm a sitter. I've no. always sat bro, yeah, now yeah, you no, know, you end up with like a quarter tank still in there
0: no, 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 I, no 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 so I've been doing tons of reading about this recently. <laughs> apparently like so like the u s the men in the u s stand more than like any other country when they do number one
1: well we we've gotten a lot wrong but i think we got this one right no 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 i think this is this is another thing we're getting wrong like think about it when you're
0: standing and you're letting the the, the waterfall flow man there's so many things bouncing out of that out of that lake that you just gotta gotta cover
1: bro the when you're the same thing is true when you're sitting. Are you saying because it's a shorter distance to travel? There's no, less no because you've
0: got you've got a, a block from the out from the the entrance. Okay, listen to this. Listen to this. In Germany, forty percent of men sit. Ten percent sit in the United States as of like June of
1: 2023. Well, <laughs> think about why would you want to expose your butt cheeks to so much potential germ if it, unnecessary. It's going
0: on someone's butt cheeks if you think about it. Like if you're standing and you let loose and it sprays out onto the toilet seat, the next person is sitting on that. Like it's well, it's going to be exposed to whoever. Well, is not the if next put the seat
1: up. I mean this, you know, this just seems like a...
0: I would love <laughs> to see a statistic of how many people put actually put the seat because let's be fair. real let's be real yeah,
1: if you're keeping you the don't. seat down then i agree you need if you're keeping the seat down you better sit your butt down and you better go <laughs> from that position but if you're going to put the seat up and you're, you're going to really go through that process then you know i think dude i think it's better to stand
0: the amount of particles that go into the air just by flushing while you're standing off of the toilet is crazy like Fecal matter can get on like toothbrushes if your toothbrush is on the counter and you flush yeah. and you're not sitting while you're flushing. Like you sitting, like your wait, butt wait, wait, is wait, basically wait. taking one from for the team. Are, so,
1: are you telling me that you you stay seated while you flush? Yes. Oh my god. Yes.
0: Or I All close right, the we're, seat. We're, we're, or I <laughs> have close to
1: the seat. The topic pretty quickly because we're clearly in <laughs> conflict here. I can't even believe. That this is a real thing for you.
0: No. Or so like I either stay seated or I I close the cover, but most toilets don't have covers nowadays. So like you got to take one for the team. Look.
1: (laughs) Deep relationships.
0: So the reason I bring this up is because there was a recent report that came out that more young men are sitting than standing. And it's solely based on the age of
1: five like no no no, no 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 no, no!
0: like 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 younger than our generation but older than 5 but no like you got to cover like if any so much splashes up you got to find some way to cover
1: sounds like we may be on to a potential uh, product invention here cubs i guess what that's
0: would that,
1: what those what things would that in the urinal products be are? like a mesh the anti-splash. over the toilet seat well, in the urinals they have the anti splash
0: <laughs> mm like Like, so do you think it's because Germany has different design toilets? I've never been to Germany, but I'd imagine they're very similar. Like, think about a urinal, right? A urinal, the way it flushes, it flushes everything down. You're not, like, splashing anything out to the ether. Like, a regular toilet, if you pee into a regular toilet, it's splashing back up. Like, it's coming out. Like, you should see some of these, like, heat maps or whatever that people do of. of what happens after you stand
1: you're telling me you're looking at heat maps now you've really got i gotta (laughs) pull you out of this i gotta pull you out of this we gotta get we gotta get to the subject matter here (laughs) because you've gone way too deep i just i've been i've been
0: reading a lot about it and i just i i wanted to clear the air and see where you stood on this you take me as someone who's a sitter and like i'm a sitter and i'm proud of it
1: if i'm gonna be honest my preferred method of urination would be to be outside well let's be real
0: yes the real solution to pollution is dilution so like (laughs) if you're at a lake or a river like that's the best best spot
1: i just my thing is like why even be homo erectus if we're just gonna get on all fours to go to the bathroom okay we can
0: agree to disagree on this trees or rocks uh trees
1: for sure why are you peeing on trees deer are gonna come and bite that bark off you gotta pee on a rock You're right. I do sometimes feel bad because I'm not sure. I mean, if I'm really hydrated, I'll water the roots, but otherwise the rocks. No, because deer will come
0: along and like smell the salt that's in your whatever and, and start gnawing at the tree and killing it. Whereas if you pee on a rock, the rock's not going anywhere.
1: I would really like to hear some from some audience members here on on just this whole conversation. If you'd like to chime in, uh, we'd really appreciate it because someone needs to set Mackenzie straight here. No 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. no, 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 no. With a lot of theories that are a this is not a YouTube, theory, dude. This is a this has got to be one of those YouTube rabbit hole. uh No, no, this <laughs> isn't the JFK situation. This is it's different. Not. This is this is totally different. Out, that, that's been blowing my mind. that whole Oh,
0: time. dude. Yeah, that's a whole nother episode. We can't, we can't. We can't 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 go into conspiracy right now.
1: All right, we got to talk about conflict, man, because this is a real one. And I know it's a great one because all of us experience it. Uh, You know, it it doesn't take much research into these rabbit holes uh, to realize that there is nothing that impacts human happiness like relationships. And I know there's been studies out of Harvard and other places that continue to confirm that, that this... This conversation around relationships is the most important thing when it comes to our health and human wholeness, um, on earth at least. And, uh, I, I think that one of the things that gets shoved in there is like, we're, we're constantly the, especially the people we're closest to, we're, we're constantly at odds with, to some degree, sometimes small, like bathroom conversations and other times that conflict can get really real, um. So I'm excited to flush out some, some ideas, some strategies with you, Calves, on you know, how do we navigate relationships better? How do we navigate conflict, especially tough relationships with people we really love and sometimes hate to love? Um, and yeah, see, where, see what we can learn uh, through the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I think it's important to note that the way we just navigated that conflict at the beginning of the episode is probably not textbook as to how you should navigate a disagreement um but uh
1: we'll run, we'll run it back at the end just yeah we move of, on yeah we'll have a more what through this conversation like based on what you said mckenzie this makes me feel like yeah. this and so yeah take all, the, all the tools that will take
0: accountability we'll hd that you're wrong about this and that i'm right oh, i mean i think man. that's that's the most important element of this
1: no um all right what do you what have you been thinking on as it relates to this conversation what's what's something that you want to bring to the table so I'd love to first talk about
0: where this really comes up in, especially with men, which is this sense of avoiding conflict. Um, I went to a wedding a couple years ago and my wife and I, we were engaged at the time. And my wife specifically like hates the term happy wife, happy life. She can't stand it. And we can get into that as to why, but we were at this wedding and they just kept on drilling into this guy. Remember happy wife, happy life. And they almost like set him up to this structure where it's like, always cave to what your wife wants. Uh, Always bend your beliefs to to accommodate hers and just make sure she's happy because that'll make your life better. And I think that is like such, such a backwards way to go about navigating your relationship. And I think it that kind of attitude is what causes men to find themselves avoiding conflict and avoiding having difficult conversations with their partners. I think men avoid conversations with everyone, but I definitely think it is prevalent amongst their partners. And uh, I'd love to hear from you as to like, where do you see yourself avoiding conflict and what does that
1: look like to you mm. yeah you know i think it's especially with romantic partners because it can feel like such a grind sometimes uh you know sometimes it's light and it's easy and other times it can feel heavy and hard conversations can be exhausting um, i've found myself at times like if we uh, if me and my girlfriend have been going through a, a like a hard week Um, but then that next week we really need to talk about something again, that's tough and, but it feels light. Like I almost just want to keep it light. Like I just, while it feels good, I just want to keep letting it feel good. But then one week turns to two weeks and three weeks and I'm continuing to just try to keep it feeling good as opposed to actually addressing what's going to make it be great long run. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's, that's been the thing for me is, um, is this sense, and I we see it all over the culture, I, I feel it in my own life sometimes too, this desire for instant gratification. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. In relationships, a lot of times that can look like, wow, this feels really good right now. Like we're happy, we're light, we're not like, we're not fighting, so this is good. Um, but underlying, there's something I know that I need to bring to the surface, whether it's something I haven't shared, or a question I need to ask, or a tough conversation we need to have. Um, that's going to confront that gratification of feeling good in that moment. Um, and so it, it, can I be okay with, without the instant gratification and and be a little bit more um, willing to invest in the long-term health and foundation of that? Um, but it, it, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to bring up hard conversations. Uh, and I know that some of us have built into our identity. Like I suck at having hard conversations. And I just want to say, first off, like that is, that's a dangerous place to be because part of life is hard conversations because part of life is relationships <laughs> and those are hard. Um, so that's something for me that I've had to, to catch myself in is don't just, just cause it feels good right now. Doesn't mean it can't, it can't be better. And if there's something I feel like I need to share, it makes the relationship stronger to to choose to share it um, than trying to sit in whatever may feel good in the moment.
0: Yeah. When I hear like, I'm really bad at conflict, or I just to. I just don't want to engage in a fight with my partner or whatever. What I hear is, uh, I'm running to comfort. Mm. And I think you know, there's so many elements of our body and our mind where we tend to uh, run to the short-term solution, thinking that that's the long-term solution. And I think that's part of the problem. I also think there's like a a core issue with men navigating their relationships in general and what they're trying to get out of their relationships that's causing this uh, neglect to have difficult conversations. I, I hear a lot of guys a lot of times in men's groups and in one-on-one sessions um, say a couple of common phrases. And those common phrases are like rooted around this idea of, I just want to keep the peace. I'm just looking to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. That's right? Good. Yeah. And I often go into, well, what are you trying to get out of this relationship? And what I've essentially boiled it down to is three things. Men are looking to be desired. Men are looking to be believed in and men are looking to be respected. And I think a lot of men look for the surface level short-term solution for those. And the thinking tends to be, well, if I just agree with her, she's going to desire me more. If I just um if I just disengage and say, "Yep, you're right." She's going to have more respect for me. And I I think it couldn't be more backwards. (laughs) This this line of thinking of like, I'm just going to keep the peace because then my needs are going to be met is, is, is a backwards way of viewing this whole situation. I think a lot of women, not to speak on behalf of women, but I definitely think a lot of women are initially attracted to a man because of the things that make them unique, because of the things that make them interesting. And when we fall into a relationship, especially when we fall hard into a relationship, we find ourselves yearning for those three things, but we're willing to give up all of our personal empowerment and all of our personal identity in exchange for trying to get those three needs met, being respected, desired, and believed in. And I think that's, that's where I find the root of the problem. Uh, for me and what I've seen from a lot of guys and what leads to a lot of very toxic relationships
1: Hmm. yeah I'm just sitting with those three so the three you said was um men want to be desired respected respected and believed in believed in yeah the believed in one's an interesting one I haven't really spent too much time thinking about um but I yeah don't think that, that makes sense
0: and I used to always say men wanted to be respected and desired, but I've added that third one in recent months because there are so many instances where a guy wants to go off and do a career change or a guy wants to go off and explore a new hobby or an interest, and they want nothing more in that moment than their wife saying. I believe in you. Like you can do it. You can get there. It's so true, Um, man. It's so true. And it just, it, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen because needs weren't expressed at the beginning of the relationship and aren't maintained throughout the relationship. It's all about trying to keep the peace.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So what, what happens in that place? Cause that one I think really connects to me as a risk taker, someone who, you know, has, has started is continuing to start my own business and, Take risks as a dreamer is constantly wanting to create new things and step off the ledge and not be sure where i'm going to land, hope I have a parachute that works you know, and I've really needed a partner that you know believes in me I think that that's been a, a core thing um, helping give me some language here and so you know if that's if that's something that a guy may be feeling is gosh it's so frustrating, I feel like I have these great ideas, these things I want to do. Um, But I just feel like my partner isn't believing in me. Um, And, you know, what what would you recommend? How should they navigate that?
0: Let your partner in. Like letting your partner into the decision-making process. There are so many guys who are wrestling with a decision. And they choose to keep their partner out of that process. Because they assume that that partner is going to be, that partner is going to say no. That partner is going to disagree with their thought logic. That partner is going to disagree with the outcome. But this is a part of relationships that I think a lot of people struggle with, which is when you're getting into a relationship with someone, you have to let them in on everything. You become one. Your decisions affect them. Their decisions affect you. And trust starts in a proactive way, not a reactive way. And that trust is established by saying, hey, I've been thinking about this. I'd love to get your opinion on it. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Here are the things that are holding me back. What should I do? Asking them those questions of before you reach the decision, is such a great way to gain that trust. Mm. And so good, good, man. Yeah. And I just, I think a lot of guys come to their wife with a decision Mm -hmm. rather than bringing them in on the decision. So that's how you prevent it.
1: Yeah, no, I completely, I mean, that's, it's really good. And I think rooted in there is some sense of like mind reading that I think we do of like, I know how she's going to react. So I'm, I'm just not even going to bring it to her. Um, one I know, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, uh, can also agree that there's been a lot of times in my life I thought I knew. And then the reaction was completely different than what I thought it would be, which humbles me to realize, like, I'm really only in control of my own story and I can't write other people's stories for them or dream up what's happening in their head. And that's been a big thing in my relationship is. And I think it extends to our guy relationships as well of like, wow, what happens when we bring people into the process? And Hey, this is what I'm th- I'm dreaming about. This is what I'm thinking about. This is, this is where, why I'm feeling unsettled in my current job and why, and, and I'm thinking about this, what do you think? And the, the likelihood for them to partner with you in that and be like, I'm with you. Like if you need to make a change, if this is how you feel, then let's do this together. Right. What is that buy-in? How does that feel different than, Hey, we need to move to this place. I'm starting this business. And like, I need you to support me. You know, it's, it's just a totally different energy. Once it together, a unity, we're doing this together. We're moving in conjunction and unity. And then the other is, Hey, get behind me. Like I'm, I'm leading, I'm, I'm going, yeah. I, and, and perhaps there's just a sense, especially as you know, it is a tendency. It doesn't always have to be this way, but where men take some leadership in relationships or desire to be leaders, and thinking that leadership means directing, like you do this, we're doing this, I'm going this way, you're going this way. And I mean, to me, that's poor leadership. Do, do you want to be under that leadership? I know I don't. That's like, a boss. I want to be, and and I've heard it described as the the clipboard versus the towel leader. You know, the clipboard leader is is directing people where to go and checking the box if you hit it or you did that. Nope, McKinsey didn't get that done. X, check versus the towel who comes up and is like, man, Mackenzie, how you doing, man? Can I support you? Like, um, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? And it's much more of an intimate, uh, collective approach. Um, so that's, that's really helpful for me. And I I hope for, for some people listening.
0: It's hard to, because, um, Dr. Glover has this great quote where she says, seeking women's approval creates rage towards women. And, I think it comes with this idea that uh, there's a lot of guys out there who choose to avoid conflict and they don't own that. They don't own that they are avoiding conflict with their partner. Rather, they blame their partner for the reason as to why they're avoiding that conflict. When really, their decision to avoid is the thing that's causing them to continue to spiral that relationship to the sense of not being able to trust one another. Um, so I think there's an element of that, and it creates this narrative in your head. I've heard it a lot where guys go, Oh, she's just so controlling. She's so angry. She's a steamroller. She's just like my mom. I've, I hear that a ton. She's just like my mom. She acts like my mom. Um, and there's no way to 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 please her. So I'm just going to tune her out. I'm going to avoid any conflict with her. And I think when that happens you are shoving the blame onto them for your inability to to create a a difficult or to have a difficult conversation. Mm. And um yeah. And those assumptions are are what's causing those assumptions to continue to be true in your relationship. Mm. Like, uh, I, I hear a lot of guys say that, but then they won't go and have a conversation about the, to their wife about, Hey, sometimes when you're saying this, I feel as though I'm being attacked, like how my mother used to attack me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just for some reason, not in the cards. And so I just, I think a lot of it is just, Owning that you're avoiding this conversation and try to find a motivating factor that gets you out of that and say, okay, I'm going to have this conversation so that I'm not
1: thinking this in my head anymore. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's really good, man. Because I do feel like there's part of it, you know, we've touched on the part of like bringing up the conversation when you have something tough to talk about and then I think the other question that I, I'd reflect on and I'd encourage, you know, listeners to reflect on is how am I creating the space for others to bring up that conversation um, or to give me feedback? And this is an area that I've really had to exercise growth that I thought I was good at and I'm humbling myself to realize I really need to work on is not being offendable um, or, or not immediately like when, when my partner or a guy friend gives me feedback that I'm on my toes re- ready to, you know, fight back or it- it defend myself in some way um, versus actually really being a space that um, one, someone feels comfortable sharing how, how they feel like I could better support them or how I could be a better partner or friend um, and that I'm really going to be willing to make a change based on what they share and that that doesn't have to become a big blown up fight and the amount of fights that I've had with my girlfriend that really didn't need to be fights. It was just her trying to express something and, and, and me taking it the wrong way or feeling like I needed to defend it. All she wanted to be was heard. And now I'm now we're in a big fight and I'm talking about her tone and the way she approached it. Right. And now we're not even talking about where this started. And I think that, I mean, I, I hope I'm not alone in that. I don't think I am. Um, but that that piece is really big. How do we not defend ourselves when that temptation arises to defend? Uh, what are some tools and strategies we can use uh, to keep ourselves regulated?
0: Mm. There's a couple things in there that you've kind of already touched on, one of which is creating the right space. There is nothing wrong with saying, Let's talk about this at a different time. And if you do bring that up and you say that, following through on that is, is huge. Finding that space to where you're not flooded with these emotions is crucial. As men, we've grown up defending our masculinity. We've grown up defending our manhood to everyone around us. So when our partner says something that may feel like an attack, or it may feel like something that makes us appear weak, we spring on it, right? Ooh. We get super animated when that happens. And so part of this is about establishing that space with your partner in which you can feel like a man even after opening up those that vulnerability with them, Um Because as soon as you feel like your manhood is threatened and you have to defend it, you won't see clearly anymore in that conversation. So I have found a couple things work really well for a lot of different guys, including myself. One of which is removing you should, you need out of the equation. You should be doing that. I should be doing this. You need to be doing that. I need to be doing this. It's not productive. It never will be productive. And it's not your place to command someone to do something. So completely taking accountability in every response is the goal. So what that looks like is, HD, when you said this, I felt this way. And always tying it back to how you're feeling What you're thinking rather than saying, and I know you're thinking this or you should be doing that. um, Holding yourself accountable throughout the entire conversation is extremely productive. And it keeps it going in the right direction. And it keeps it non confrontational in the sense of I'm not accusing her of anything. And I'm not expecting her to do anything out of what I'm saying. I'm just simply stating my truth, which is I feel hurt. I feel vilified. I feel attacked. Um, And so that's one thing that I have found very productive is when you're able to take accountability. The second thing is to remove blame from the equation. Blame is a defense mechanism. Blame is used to victimize yourself in a situation. They are this or they're doing this and therefore I'm the victim of the situation. I, I have no defense. There's nothing I did wrong. You're removing the pressure off of yourself rather than sitting there and taking accountability on what hurts you. Um, and so I think removing blame and taking accountability are the two ways you can really be productive in these conversations. Mm. Um, it's amazing how many guys rush to blame, rush to assume uh, in their partner. They believe their partner is this reflexive human. Every situation has the same outcome. And that's just, that's because of our poor way of approaching these conversations.
1: hmm mm. Yeah, I think some part of it, too, is, you know, people process differently in these conversations. And that's something that's helpful for me to keep in mind. I'm a bit more of a processor um, than my girlfriend. You know, she wants to immediately solve everything. And one thing I've had to do is create more space for myself. Like if she says something and my response is, no, she's wrong. Like, let me tell you why you're wrong. I've really had to learn how to say, I really appreciate you sharing that. I hear that. I'm going to sit with that. Like, and I actually will, like, I will sit with what she's saying. Oftentimes she ends up being right, but it takes me being in the right frame of mind to reflect on what she's really trying to say. Maybe I received it wrong at that time. And then the other tip, and I was laughing about this with my mom at dinner. Cause I think her boyfriend had, had said, uh, n- not calm down when she was heated, but simmer down. And, uh, I would recommend not using any of that language when someone is hot or you're in a conflict, don't tell someone to calm down. It will only make them more angry. <laughs> i not tell them to simmer down or to chill out. Uh, that only provokes. So something that I've, even if it's the other person, I definitely have people in my, my life that immediately get to 10 like that. Uh, something that I've done that has helped uh, is even if it's the other person who is hot and I don't feel as hot, I'll say, hey, can I take a minute to calm down? And it actually, maybe it's, it's for that person. More so than it may be for me, although it often benefits me as well. But instead of, Hey, will you take a minute and calm down? How does that feel different when it's like, Hey, I'm going to take a minute and just just gather myself. I'm going to calm down for a second take a breath. Yeah. Um, Cause wow. It's, I feel like the the maturity within these relational conflicts comes with recognizing how do I stay regulated? So I think it, yeah, it comes back to, to regulation and, how do I stay regulated in the midst of a conversation? And the awareness to take that moment for myself or um to collectively decide, hey, we're gonna come back to this conversation for me is um just comes with the practice. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, this does feel like a practice. Uh, and it's been reframing my idea of conflict. Uh, you know, there's a couple things that can bring people together in groups together or relationships together. One is struggle, like really struggling together. And I'd say conflict is part of that. And the other is laughter and uh, really enjoying something together. And so part of building a relationship is conflict. And so embracing that not as a negative, not that like, okay, I just had a conflict with Mackenzie or I just had a conflict with my girlfriend. Uh, we just had a fight like that. That's such a bad thing. I think can... Part of having better conflict is realizing that conflict is actually really healthy a lot of times and not just getting so focused on the negative energy around what we're discussing, but um, can we stay focused on how, well, this is amazing. We're going to be better on the other end of this. We're actually going to have a stronger relationship because we decided to, um, to have this conversation.
0: There's a great quote that I always go back to, and I think I got it from a book called Letting Go by David Hawkins. And the quote is, um, if we aren't honest with ourselves, we don't know ourselves. Thus, we allow others to influence our decisions. And I think for a lot of men, and for myself especially, that resonates with when I'm choosing not to explore why I'm acting a certain way, Um, I'm allowing other people who are yearning to control their environment and control me to have an influence that's, that's beyond a healthy influence. And I think what makes conflict healthy is if the intention is to nurture each other in our journey. Anything south of nurturing is not a productive conflict. My approach to conflict should be, I want to find a way to connect with my partner on a deeper level. And my partner should want to try to connect to me on a deeper level, even in a topic in which we disagree. Um, Where can we find that connection in a disagreement? Where can we nurture her needs and my needs in the conflict. And that really has always recently been at the forefront when I have a disagreement with my wife, which is, am I being nurturing right now? Is, am I getting animated because of what she's doing or because of some work that I haven't done? And when I start asking myself those questions, and I start being more accountable. Uh, I find that the temperature of the conversation drops, mm-hmm. and
1: it's extremely productive. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like part of it, and what I'm hearing you say is, I mean, it's kind of the core of the growth mindset. I think if you were to ask most guys, they'd say, "Yeah, I have a growth mindset," or "I want to have a growth mindset." But relationally, I think one of the the things that looks like, or one of the ways that shows up is when conflict arises, the tendency to blame someone else or blame the other person growth mindset, I believe asks us to every single time, look at how could I have been better in this situation? How can I be better control what I can control, which is me. So even if I want to blame McKenzie for a fight we're having, it's all him. Like I'm completely convinced it's all his fault. Can I still sit there and ask, how could I have been better in that situation? And to me, that's where just the deep discovery comes realizing, wow, there actually was something that I said to him that, dang, wow, I'm not really not showing up well for him as a friend right now. Like I need to look at this again. And and I think that that, for me has been, um, one of the practices I've tried to employ around this is every temptation to blame someone else. Can I flip that back on myself? How could I have been better? Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. And I find a lot of times before I went on my journey and started facilitating different men's groups and coaching and stuff that, um, whenever my inner voice was validated, I would get angry. Mm. Whenever someone spoke to something about myself that I've been secretly criticizing within my inner voice, uh, I'd lash out in anger. And uh, I find that to be really telling as to what's crying out inside in terms of, something that I have to f- do work on. If there's one thing we can guarantee is that our partner is going to spot our flaws. Every person can relate to the sense of, I thought I was great until I got a partner and we started disagreeing. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, I'm a lot more broken than I thought I was. Hmm. Um, actually, yeah, I don't like it. to say the word broken bent. I'm a lot more <laughs> bent than I thought I was. Hmm. And uh it's because they're saying the things a lot of the times that my inner voice was telling me all along. And I just refused to listen mm. until someone was standing in front of me and telling me the exact same thing.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. I hope hope you guys are sitting with that um, and connecting to it. I know I do. Intimacy is such a mirror into the, the places of ourselves within ourselves that are hardest for us to love or accept. And it exposes us, uh, but it's so healthy and it's so good. And so in that exposure, exposure there's going to be tension and friction and, uh, and that's part of it. And on the other end of it is greater awareness of self growth, the ability to love bigger. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm just encouraged by it. Even though within the context of these relational disputes, I'm, I'm often frustrated and want to beat myself up and um yeah but I, I, it makes me really grateful for the people that I'm really close to um those close relationships that make life meaningful they're also the ones that that sharpen me that help me grow um that expose me to things that I really need to take a look at um, and if I would just say that if you don't feel like your relationships are doing that um they're not sharpening you then you may need to look at your relationships again like it shouldn't all feel good that's not the point yeah right well HD I'll stop you there and ask you a question
0: okay what happens if I'm sitting there and I'm I'm coming across nurturing I'm coming across accountable and the person in front of me is doing the opposite thing (laughs) The person in front of me is like, accusing me of everything person in front of me is extremely angry. And you've said several times, like, hey, let's take a break. Let's, let's talk about this another time. Or let's, let's find a better time to to bring this up. And they're like, No, we need to resolve this right now. What do you do in a situation like that? When you're Hmm. with your partner, or you're with a good friend or something?
1: Yeah. Hmm. I've heard it said that the goal And I often want to think that the goal is always reconciliation, right? For the relationship to succeed and move forward in a great way. I think this shows up a lot in family, right? We always want to make it right. But the goal really is peace, internal peace. And part of that is realizing that I only control what I control, right? It's hard to set boundaries, It's one of the hardest aspects of love is creating boundaries, especially with people we deeply care about. And it's sometimes what's required for us to maintain the internal peace. And only from that place of peace can a relationship truly be reconciled. And so I would just say that if you really feel like you're doing everything you can and you have found your peace within it, and it continues to not be a healthy relationship, then chances are you either need to consider drawing a boundary in that relationship or recognizing that it may not be the right relationship for you. Um, But make sure that whatever decision you make is coming from a flat footed place of internal peace. You've done the work on yourself and you're at peace and then you'll know.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of times, In men's group too, we talk a lot about like why we're so ill-equipped to handle conflict. Um, But yet we present this uh, unaffected image of ourselves or this image of strength and stoicism. And in that pursuit of always trying to be seen as immune to all pain and hardship. I think conflict at times immediately becomes a sense of failure for some guys Hmm. because it threatens this image of I'm immune to pain. I'm immune to imperfections. I am a strong, confident, perfect guy. And... When someone comes along and threatens that, I think it already creates the scenario where we feel attacked before Mm -hmm. we even start. Mm -hmm. Um, And why is that is the bigger question Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of guys need to battle with. And we talk a lot about it as the big demon. The thing that's causing all of these smaller devils in our life to lash out and to cause more pain, there's a bigger demon for a lot of men that causes them to live a life of coping and a life of anger and defensiveness because they aren't being honest with themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and saying, I need to acknowledge and I need to work through this big demon that happened when I was younger. Um, A lot Mm. of times that tends to be abandonment and it come and all of these little demons are out of a fear of abandonment, but sometimes it can be different. Sometimes it can be sexual assault, harassment. Sometimes it could be um, just straight up neglect. Uh, Sometimes it can be how we were raised, Mm. but every guy has that big demon that they need to face and acknowledge Mm. and work through Mm. in order to be able to start seeing some of these changes and how they approach conflict. Um, Because a lot of things that we're offering are just remedies, but until we face that big demon, those remedies are only that, they are remedies, they're not
1: solutions. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like, yeah, maybe the better question is, like, what am I, because it's often fear, right? What am I afraid of deep down? If this were to be true, why is that fear fearful for me? Even if I think it's completely not true, just imagine it is for a second. What, what are you afraid of beneath it? I think that's a great Guys great have been to, trained to with. a lot
0: to see their coping mechanisms as stuff to be ashamed of. There's a lot of behavior that men do that come from a place of shame or guilt. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the most amazing moment for every guy who goes through a men's group or a support group is when they realize that inner thought that I'm having that feels illegal to know, that inner thought that I'm having that feels criminal, there are tons of other guys who are thinking the same thing and feeling Mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. And until a guy can acknowledge and recognize that they're going to find that they're going to, these unproductive arguments or uh, temper tantrums or just anger within themselves is just going to continue to flourish because Mm. it's the unwillingness to be honest and to recognize that big demon that's
1: so important. Well said, brother. I got a lot to think on. Um, as always, bro, I appreciate you. Love you. Yeah. Bro.
0: And and just remember through the next week, think about maybe I should start sitting down on the toilet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna continue with this conflict offline because I can't whew. wait.
0: Uh uh, you know, for those of you who are who are wondering, Fletch is out right now. He's doing a lot of different stuff. He just traveled overseas to Italy, and I can't wait to hear more about it on the pod, but uh, he was unable to join us this session so i'm excited to have him back next week
1: and i can uh, guarantee you fletch stands up when he pees
0: no way dude no way
1: actually fletch uh and i both have really mastered the art of the bottle i hate hate to admit oh, that, but my gosh <laughs> oh. we've had some long road trips where we've really had to get good at the bottle i would say that it's not that Fletch's strength so gross there's, there's been a couple moments where uh got a little bit loose and you know things happen but
0: That is so gross.
1: Just remember, Calves, we're homo erectus for a reason.
0: I hate that word.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's such a funny word. Well,
0: Fletch just came back from Europe, so you never know. He may have joined the 40% of other German men and started
1: (laughs) You never know. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope that was valuable and insightful. And before you go, do whatever you got to do today, I want to share something with you that I'm really excited about. On January 21st to 26th, we are hosting Peaceful Warrior, a men's wellness retreat to El Salvador. This is going to be an amazing group immersive experience, digging into a lot of these topics on what it means to be a man and a healthy man in the world today, a whole person. Uh, We're going to be moving, we're going to be eating well, we're going to be sharing a lot of meaningful experiences together Uh, there's so much more to say about it but go do your own research you can find more at yournextretreat.com can't wait to see you guys there and have a beautiful day peace and love